Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Spring is broke, folks. I am so excited to see spring finally here. Good to have you with us this morning. I'm Tim, and I hope that you being with us today, you'll benefit from hearing the Word of God, worshiping with some believers, and be encouraged to live this life that God calls us to. We're looking at this idea of my life's calling. I've called it, It's For You. How many times have you had the phone ring? It's for you. It's for you. And you're going, oh, you're sure? Well, you take the call. No, no, it's for you. And then it's a salesman or some crazy person on the phone. When I think about getting a phone call, though, nowadays, it's this. It's this gadget. Everybody has one. I don't know if you're an um, Android person. There's something wrong with you if you are. <laughs> or you're an iPhone person. You know, I, I've been an iPhone. I switched over to iPhone from the Blackberry. So I went from the Stone Age to the Space Age real quick. I still do not understand this thing. But I'll tell you what. This has changed my life more than any gadget I can think of. And I can think of a lot of gadgets I've owned. Why? Because right now I can get on Amazon and order something. I could get on Facebook and and shoot at somebody. I mean, uh, uh, learn about something. I can uh, check my emails. I can get on eBay. I'm selling right now 43 different things on eBay. I can take a picture. I just took a picture. In fact, um, let me find it here. Uh, I just love this gadget. I uh, found this button back in the, in the, in the back behind it. It just says, Zombies Just Want Hugs. I thought that was a great little button, and I took a picture of it. I'm, I don't know where I'm going to put it. I just like taking it. You can take pictures with this thing! i got grandkids. I've got some of your kids. I've got kids I don't even know on here. What's that all about? I've got, I've got uh, documents, Smoky Mountains. I'm just going through here looking right now. A snowman that's half melted. I've got, uh, oh, and my son just texted me, hi dad. Oh, hi Matt. Let me. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I have access to anywhere at any time, anytime I want, to anything. But the backstory is, I'm accessible to anyone at any time. I heard a guy one time talk about uh, the book is called Overcoming Overload. It was a Swedish doctor, and he said, if, he goes, I am suffering from over-accessibility, and if Alexander Graham Bell were to walk in the room, I'd punch him in the nose. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, though? You get that phone call, and you look, who is it? And be honest. I'll be honest. You ever get that call, and you look, and you see the name, and you go, I'm going to let that go to voicemail. And it goes to voicemail. I know all of us have done that. And it's always the same thing. If you answer it, I have a quick question, but it demands a long answer. In my, in my line of business, most of the calls I get, I don't know how it is for you, and I'm not complaining, mind you, but it's going to sound like a grumpy old man. Um, they're interruptions. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we're interrupted with phone calls. Because when I get a phone call, it's usually somebody's sick, somebody's died, somebody's in trouble, they need something. Now, I'm not saying you can't call me if you need something. I'm just, I'm just saying. 
Sometimes it's in, it, it's this, this phone that's changed my life has intruded so many times as well. Well, just imagine a minute now. You get a phone call and it says God. It says that. God is on the phone. What do you do now? What do you do with that? Do you let it go to voicemail? The thing about God is this. They're like these kinds of people. They let it go to voicemail and then they leave a message and then they call you again and leave a voicemail and again. And they won't stop. One time I was in the office and I'm trying to work on my sermon. I mean, I'm trying to do something cool in sermon, you know. And Denise calls on my cell phone. And I just got set down because I was interrupted with something else. And I go, I'm letting it go to voicemail. And it rings again. Denise. I'm in the middle of this point. i got to get it down. I'm going to forget it. Why are you bothering me? It goes to voicemail again. And then I think, oh, there. I'm safe. Then the office phone rings and the ID says, Denise. She's incorrigible. She will not stop until... And I go, hello, what is it? I got a quick question. Ah! <laughs> here we go, here we go. You know. The Bible says that God is calling you. It's not that He's called. That's true too. But God is relentless. He keeps calling and he calls you and I. The Bible's filled with people that got called. Moses was called to deliver people. Remember, he was tending sheep. And he was called by a burning bush to go. He was a shepherd. He was doing something, but he was called to do something else and lead people out of Israel. you got Abraham, who's another nomadic type of sheep herding person. And he's in a rural area in the middle of nowhere. And God calls him to go somewhere else. Why? I just want you to go there. I've got a promise. Good enough for me. Off he goes. You got Noah. I don't know what Noah's profession was, but he was called by God to build this humongous boat. And then you've got David, again, a young man, tending sheep, called by... There's a pattern here. A lot of sheep herders are getting called. You know, uh, He gets called by God. He's a king. He's called by God. Nehemiah, who's a builder, who's a cupbearer to the king. He's a trusted man. Gets a call from God and he answers it. I want you to build something. I'm a cupbearer. I want you, I'm calling you to do something. I, you're on call, right? Yeah. And Nehemiah obeys. And there's Ezekiel, Jeremiah, you know, uh, Mary, 14-year-old girl, God calls her to, to give birth to, to God's son. You got Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's called from out of his religious group into Christianity. You got Peter, who's a fisherman. That's your vocation. He's a fisherman. God says, I want to call you, Peter, to become a fisher of men. The Bible has just got story after story. It's like it's the story is God calling us. Calling His people. Calling people when He needs them. And you see a lot of them answer. And some let it go to voicemail. And He keeps messing with them. He keeps calling them. I got news for you. You put God on hold, that ain't going to stop Him. 
You, you, you change your phone number. He finds a way. It's unlisted. How did, how did this telemarketer get my number? They just have ways of doing it. And God is much better than that. Much better than a telemarketer. And so today, what I want to talk about is my life's calling. Look what the Bible says here in Romans 8, 28. We know, we know, he says, there's something that's true here. This is something that's true. And we know it for a fact. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He says, we know, Paul says, we know something. He tells the Romans, you know it and I know it. It's a fact. It's a true statement. That God works out everything for good that those who answer his call. Now, I don't know if he, if he's able to work things out for somebody who ignores his call. I just know that things work out a lot better for me when I answer his call. And notice the call, it's a call according to his purpose. My calling and my purpose are really the same thing. So this calling answers two big questions in my life. Why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing while I'm here? I listened to someone this week and I thought it was interesting. The Greek word for calling in the New Testament is kaleo, and it means simply an assignment, a mission, a purpose. That's a lot of these words that we're looking at in the New Testament comes from this. It's over a hundred times in the Bible. Just look up the word call, calls, calling, called. You've got lots to read this week, okay? And you see this over and over again. God calling people. I know I hear religious people say, God called me to preach or God called me to be a missionary. And you say, well, what's he sound like? Like it's a voice or something. I mean, that's another topic. How does God call us? We could talk about that sometime. What I notice here is, is this, this whole idea of when God calls me, it is to a purpose. But there's another word, and it's a Latin word we get the word called from. It's the word we get vocation from. And uh, it means, uh, this Latin word comes with it a voice, um, someone calling. And um, it's interesting because this word that we use for vocation... Uh, we've watered down and narrowed down to what do we do for a living? You know, uh, my job, my vocation. You follow me? When the word means more than that, it's like kaleo. It means not just what I do. You see, my jobs will come and go. I've had several jobs in my lifetime. Have you? Yeah, we, we have career and vocation to make a living, but my calling makes a life. My calling's the same regardless of what I, what I do to, to make a living. My life is who I am and what I'll be, whether I'm working with Autoglass or working as a tool and die maker or washing dishes or being a dad or working on a case for a client. My vocation doesn't define me. It limits me. It's just making a living. This whole idea of calling, oh, that never changes. It never changes. And so, so that's the idea we see in the Scriptures here over and over again. And just like God has a calling for all the men and women that we've, we, we've talked about just a little bit in the Bible, God has a calling for you too. 
He's calling you too. Look at this passage in Ephesians 1. He says this to the Christians in Ephesus. Paul says this, My prayer, and that's important, he's praying for this. He's desiring this. He's talking to God about this. My prayer is that light will flood your hearts, that you'll understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. He said, what is he saying? He said, this is something I desire more than anything else, that the believers in Ephesus that have all these other religions right now running around in their city promoting their values, he says, I pray you'll get an idea that you'll get a clear idea that this light will just not be kind of in your heart. It'll flood your mind, flood your life, and help you realize what you can expect from your calling. And then he goes on to say, then you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. It's something you're to share with everybody else in this room. As a church, the glorious blessings of this calling. And he says, I pray about this for, for this church. And I, I want you to know, I pray about this all the time as well. That we will get, we will find it. That's what this year's about. That we'll find what God is trying to call us to. That you will find what God is trying to call you to. Because when you do, then your hope is shaped. Then you know what to expect. And it's a blessing in life. A great blessing in life. And see, that, that starts, that blessing in, in my life will begin when I answer that call. Just as soon as I begin to answer and make a commitment to whatever God is calling me to. Now, a minute ago I mentioned something about we know, or Paul said, we know that all things work together. He said, this is some definite things, some statements that are true. I want to give you seven statements that are true about your calling today. Now, don't sigh and think this we're going to be here all day. Let's go through them. Number one, my calling is a gift from God. Listen to me real close. We say it all the time, but sometimes it loses its meaning. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. If I'm finding it, I need to understand something. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. Why? Because it is a gift. It's a gift from God. And He wants you to have it. by. He says, God by His grace. Paul said this. He understood His calling. God by His grace through Christ has called you to become His people because God loves you and He's so for you. And because He takes the time, He wants to call you and say, I want, want you to have what I've planned for you before creation. I want you to have it. He saves us and calls us. Look what it says here in Second Timothy. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. This is a different life than what I can come up with. This is something He's come up with now. Not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose and grace. It's a gift. So when God calls you, it's a privilege and a gift. When God's trying to, try to, trying to uh, use you, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. You don't deserve it. We don't, sometimes we get this idea, well, yeah, I've, I've been so righteous, I don't understand why people don't respect me because I've, I've done the work or I've, I've been pretty good. God says, nobody's righteous, not even one. Even if you're really good and you've been really good this week, you can't say you're righteous. I can't say I'm righteous. 
And so how does God give, how does God get something to me He's always wanted me to have? It has to be a gift. That shows you how good He is. And the focus is on how good He is, not how good I am. Praise God. My calling is a gift from God. Number two, God chose my calling before I was born. This is a true statement. Not only is it a gift from God, and that's the truth, God chose my calling before I was born. Look at it says here in Isaiah 44. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Now every parent understands what I'm about to say. We understand when we find out we're pregnant. I don't get that. We're pregnant. You're not pregnant, Tim. Your wife is pregnant. And you're going to appreciate that when it comes to time for delivery. I guarantee you. But I remember when I found out. I wasn't the first one to find out. I was the third. Ask Denise to explain that. Very disappointing. I wasn't the first. But I remember, as soon as I found out we were having a baby, okay, we got to get things ready. Can I tell you that when I was seven years old, I was thinking about the children I was going to have. When I was seven... I don't know if my grandmother put it in my head or I figured out, hey, I saw a baby and went, one day I will have a son. One day I will have a daughter. One day I will have children. But I, I remember thinking, and I already had his name picked out. Nathaniel Tilden Gill. That was the name I picked. And by the way, he sits in this auditorium. He turned 31 last week. 31, he's old man now. And there he is, Nathaniel Tilden Gill. And I picked that name out when I was seven. When we got married, Denise says, we're going to have a child. Oh, that's right. I've got a name. No, you don't. I have the name. Wait a minute. Can't, can't we negotiate this? No. That's the way it went. That's the way it went down. I said, no, we're not negotiating. This is his name. I had plans. In fact, I wrote two letters to my sons. I wrote a letter to each son before they were born. And I would suggest it's never too late, Dad, to do that. To write down your dreams for your children. <laughs> Man, it's a big deal. To sit there and go, I dream for you that you're going to be... And I, they have never seen their letters yet. They're supposed to get them when I die or when they turn 21. Well, I'm a little late, aren't I? <laughs> I still have them in my memory box. And I know as soon as I kick the bucket, they're going to open that thing up and go, well, What did he say? <laughs> Can I tell you the, things, the kind of things I had... Dreams about who they would marry, the kind of Christian man they would be. These are my plans now. And God, He says, Tim, those are nice plans. But I got, I got a few of my own too. And before you were born, before I was born, before I was created, we were in God's care. We see an example of this right here in Romans 9 verse 11. When, when Paul is reminiscing about some twins that were born, uh, it says, Before the two boys were born, God told Rebecca, The older will serve the younger. What he's saying is the culture was the opposite. The older was always in charge, and the younger brothers had to, to follow suit. He says, We're changing that before they're born. This was before the boys had done anything good or bad. God said, This 
so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. Did you catch that? God's own plan. He was chosen because he was the one God wanted to call, not because of anything he did. Again, it's a gift. It's before he's born. And like an expecting father, God was getting ready for you, just like he was getting ready for Jacob. Getting ready for you. Having his dreams, his plans. Notice it says God's own plan. See, it's not, listen, when you answer the call of God, it's not about your plans anymore. It's about God's plans. And by the way, that's not a, that's not a bad deal. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got shafted. I'm going to have to settle for God. You settle for God's plan. No, it's the other way around, folks. When I, when I have, when I, when I'm about me and about all, all that's about me and what I want and what I want to accomplish, I'm settling for less than what God really dreamed for me. And God's got such big plans for us. It's not about me. Because I was, listen, you and I, we were made by God and for God. Before we were born, that was his plan. Look at this in Galatians 1. It pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me. Think about that just for a second. The privilege that God would stick his nose in your business and try to beckon you to come and have a relationship with him. I, not ever, I, I have a lot of people that don't want to have anything to do with me. You got anybody like that? You got a list of people? But God's not on that list. I just think that's awesome. Chose me, Paul says. Calls me. Even before I was born. And he says, what undeserved mercy. He was calling me before I even was born? Yeah. Look at this in Jeremiah 1, the message. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Listen to me. Do not underestimate why you are here. Say this with me. I am not an accident. I am not an accident. Would you turn to somebody and say that? I am not an accident. You're not. Wait a minute. I heard somebody say, you're a piece of work. I didn't ask you to say that. (laughs) You're not by accident. Let me tell you, when you think you're here by accident, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start living like you're an accident. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. You're not here by accident. I know we can sit and go, yeah, but what about this? What about that? What about this situation? What about that situation? You are not here by accident. God created you. Listen to me closely. This is why you're not a fetus. You're a person. I'm going to say it again. You're never a fetus. That's what mankind calls you in the womb. God calls you you in the womb. You hear me? He says you. Put that passage back up there. Look what it says. Before I shaped you in the womb. Before I shaped you in the womb. Not before I shaped a fetus in the womb. You following me, church? I know the world has all kinds of reasons for this and this when it comes to the abortion issue. But what, how, what does God think? What does the Word of God, the Creator, say? 
the one who made me and made you. He called me. He chose you. He, he calls you for His purpose and He does it before you were even born. Number three, my sins and mistakes don't change my calling. <laughs> my mistakes, my blunders, and my gaffes. Oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. My gaffes don't change the calling. Oh, I can really mess things up. But that doesn't change his calling one bit. Look, at, look what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1. By calling me into his service. Again, notice that his service, not my service. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. And, I'm, and, and it's not my plan. It's God's plan. He says, by calling me into His service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy. What? He's saying, I'm dependable. I'm reliable. I'm honorable. And then look what He says. Even though I used to be a blasphemer, which means He was foul with His mouth. Anybody here have problems with their mouth? Besides me? Thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Persecutor. He tormented people. You ever met people that just love giving people the business? Paul was one of those kind of people. Contemptuous. What's that mean? Hard to get along with? Hard to satisfy? Yeah. He says, I used to be a blasphemer. I used to be a persecutor. I used to be contemptuous. Mercy, however, has shown me. Because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. See, he remembers all the screw-ups. And I'm sure you can think of any kind of script you can think of that says, I'm disqualified. God probably not going, can't use me now. I'm useless. But not to God. You may think that, and your friend, some of your friends may have wrote you off, or a family member may have wrote you off, but I'll tell you what, I got news for you. God doesn't write you off. God doesn't say, oh, okay, I'll quit calling you. No, He keeps calling you to the same calling He planned and He had before you were born. Doesn't change. The blunders, the mistakes you've made, and the blunders and mistakes that have been done to you, the damage that's been done to you, the damage, maybe some at your own hand or at the hands of others, it doesn't change one bit God's calling for your life. Ugly things haven't changed. Listen to this. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. I know i got to hear this. I'm all ears now. Ugly things do not change my value or my calling. I know some of you here have had some ugly stuff happen to you. You've been hurt. You've been damaged by some monster. Or somebody just didn't understand, didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing. But some was premeditated. You've been betrayed. You've been lied to. And I want to tell you, God says, I can still use you. Like a, like a good or a bad good carpenter. You know, they're working on the house and they break something in the house and they go, don't worry, we can use that still. With the measurements off about six inches, that's okay, it'll still work. I can still make it work. God's the same way with you and I, with our mistakes and with the damage that we have. Right now, you are sitting amongst somebody who's damaged, who's made some mistakes, who's made some blunders. Now, don't look at them, because they might be already looking at you, but they're here. (laughs) All of us, listen, church, all of us have made mistakes. All of 
us have been damaged. And all of us have been called. It's never changed. So maybe you've had a setback. Maybe you've lost your way. I know I lose my way every once in a while. Maybe you've lost your purpose. Talked to somebody last couple of weeks and they said, you know, I just lost it and I want it back. Praise God. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'll do everything I can. Why? Because the calling hasn't changed. God keeps... The call keeps coming in. I still want to use you. But I messed up. I still want to use you. But I, I, I... Listen, I saved you and called you for my holy work. Number four, my calling is permanent. What do you mean, Tim? Nobody... Nothing, not even you, can take your calling away. Look what it says in Romans 11. It's the Word of God now. God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. It's always going to be there. You can change jobs and your calling is always going to be there. You can change, change ages and your calling is always going to be there. You can change cities. God's calling is going to be there. You can change relationships, folks, and God's calling is still going to be there. It doesn't stop. Number five, my calling is connected to others. I oh, know. Wait a minute. Did I surprise you with that? We went through that one too quick. You want me to talk a little more about four? Okay, good. <laughs> Number five, my calling is connected to others. Look at this. We are all one body. And look at this. One body. We have the same spirit. Everybody here, you're a believer. The believer next to you has the same spirit as you. We all have been called to the same glorious future hope. The person next to you, same calling, same glorious future. Now, by the way, your calling, you might live it a little differently. You're going to live it a little differently, but we're all called to the same glorious future. And what's he saying? Well, I want, what I'm trying to tell you is we are called together as a church. I'm just going to say this. and Let's quit being ashamed of our church. We need each other. You know what, what he's saying here? He's saying, we've been all called to the same glorious purpose. We, not me, just me. We. Why, God, why is it that you're calling all of us? Because, Tim, you're going to need some help to live out your calling. You're going to need some help to live out your calling. And your greatest ally is that believer in this room. Every part. Right now, all my parts are still working together. That's why I'm vertical. Some of these parts shut down. I'm in trouble. Is that true for you? I know a guy one time said he lost a finger because he wanted some money to buy a boat, so he stuck it in a press at a factory and chopped off his pinky. He said, I don't ever use that. And he got $2,000, $3,000, got him a new bass boat, little boat. I need my pinky. I don't know about you. I, it comes in handy. All the parts. Let me tell you, you sever a part, take a part out of your body, set it off on a table somewhere, it ain't going to live very long. My son that works uh, in, at uh, DePaul was telling me, he's in intensive care. He said, Dad, somebody died the other day. I watched him die. And here's all the family around him, and they were an organ donor. And I go, uh-huh, okay, and, and your point? Well, 
As soon as they went beep and they pronounced them dead, we had to work real fast. He had about five minutes to get him down to the OR and start giving those organs out. Am I close? Is that right, nurses, medical people? Am I close? Is that right, Rob? Works that way? you got to work fast, I know. Within 30 minutes, they're bad. Something like that, because the blood shut down. And they said, Dad, we're running with the gurney. And this guy is taking away, running down the gurney as fast as we can to get down there. And they go, pronounce him dead. Then we split him open. We take this, we take this, we take this, we take this. Why? We want to save other people's lives, sure. Can I tell you, can I tell you that if you take a, if any part of you shuts down, some of the parts could kill the whole body. Some of you here are more important than you realize, okay? And when you start separating yourself by not being at church every once in a while and separating yourself a little bit more, that's the first sign something's wrong. I start sh- sh- shying away from church attendance. I don't connect myself with very many Christians. Well, I connect myself online. I, come on, come on, knock it off. Knock it off. We got. All I know is if I take my finger off, a paper-thin cut through the bone and everything... And I mean, I look like I'm close. Paper thin distance and that finger will die. And the body's in pain. No amount of complaining from the pinky is going to make anything better until they get reattached. And they're just some parts. All the parts are working together. What? To keep me alive. Right now, my heart's working. My brain's kind of working. It's working. You know, the blood's working. Everything's working. But I just know, as soon as some part gets in trouble, if I don't get it fixed, it could affect the whole body. And the other parts help each other. My eyes help me, help my toes so I don't stub them. So there's different, my hands help me with things that my feet can't, I mean, the feed me. And it's, it's just, it's incredible when you stop and think about this idea that we're connected. My calling connects us together. Look at it says in Romans 14, For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Can you just, can you see how important your church is? That this local congregation, this part of God's family. I read something this uh, past week. We're going through Purpose Driven Life in our young adult group. And one of the things that I read was, I should be closer to this family than my own blood family because I'm going to spend eternity with you. That's convicting. That's convicting. Look at this. Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. Holy partners. I need people. Part, I need to partner up with people. Next week we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about called to belong. And we're going to try to wrestle through this idea of, well, how much involvement should I be at church? Is church attendance enough? No, but we'll talk about that, okay? We'll talk about that. Number six, God empowers what He calls me to do. If I answer His call, He will empower me to, to live that calling. Now, I, uh, it says here, now I urge you, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, to live a life to which God called you. You know, I, I, I'm convinced of this more and more. God calls us to live a remarkable life. And I gotta tell you, it ain't easy living a holy life. 
it, it creates conflict in my, in, in, in my community, in my relationships. It can be physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. It's very challenging. But the thing I, 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 I feel good about is this, is that as challenging as living this life that God calls me to live, He promises, He promises now to give me the power and give you the power and strength to fulfill the calling in your life. Second Thessalonians says this, that is why we always pray for you. There's prayer again. Pray. You know, we're praying together before the sermon. Well, now we're, it happens to be before the sermon. But we're praying, what? For God to work. We're praying for God's help. Some of you, you're in over your head financially. Or you're in over your head emotionally. Or you've hit this, this wall. You don't know, this spiritual wall. And you're going, I don't know what to do. You can't seem to move it. You need somebody stronger. And even brothers and sisters pushing with you make it. It's still not moving. God can make it move. God supplies the power and the strength to help you hang in there and not give up. To keep going forward. I'm really excited about Denise's lesson in the Lazy Tree. Becoming a godly trailblazer. She's got some powerful stuff to share next weekend, ladies. You have to persevere if you're going to be a trailblazer. And she's an example of that. I don't know. She just keeps going. Like the that bunny that keeps on going and going. Um, look what it says here. That is why we always pray, Second Thessalonians, asking our God to help you live the kind of life He called you to live. We pray that with His power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. You see, when I make a commitment to God, when I make a commitment to His calling, He commits all of His resources to help me do it. First Thessalonians says, The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. What's the last thing? Well, the seventh truth about my calling is there is a prize for living out my calling. There is a prize. I'm not sure if I fully understand it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what the Lord has prepared. We sing that song, it's a passage. It's tough to get your mind around this. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. All I know is it's a prize. It's worth going after. I don't have to completely understand it. I've got lots of gifts that have been given to me. I don't completely understand. I don't. I know I don't use probably about 15% of that phone's potential, but I sure enjoy it. I don't have to understand it completely to experience it. And Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is this prize? Whatever it is, is it heaven? Is it with being with God forever? Is it being in His presence, Tim? All I know is, whatever it is, I know it includes this, that I and you and I, you and I get to share in everything God has. He already gave us His Son. He's going to give us, He's going to share everything else. Look what it says here. Live the kind of life that pleases God who calls you to share 
in his own kingdom and glory. What's that mean? Well, the prize may be a a life that makes God smile and you know it. A life that's pleasing God. Living in his kingdom, in his protection, in his, his direction, in what he provides. I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, you have such an edge on life that most folks don't have. Cherish it. And I get to share in His glory. Just like He is lifted up above and above everything else, above the earth and sky, is what one song, old song, would say. He says, I will be lifted up. You will be lifted up to share in His glory. It's, it's not, I'm in the crowd watching God. He says, come up here and stand with me and bask in this victory like no other. Let me ask you a few questions as we close. You've got a card in your bulletin. And, and um, I just want to ask you, Are you listening for God's call? He's calling you to respond to the gospel. He's calling, you know, uh, the Bible talks about make your calling and election sure. Are you sure you're a Christian? The Bible says you can make your calling and election sure. He calls us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Have you done what the Bible really says about to do to become a Christian? Or have you jumped through some hoops? Your church taught you. Is the call to serve? Is the call? Is are you getting a call where God is saying He wants me to connect better in this church? He wants me to be more involved than I am, or He's calling me to, to service, or calling me to surrender. To humble, be humble. Is he calling out my sin? Are you listening? Are you listening for God's call? Will you answer it? In other words, are you, could you, can you say you're living God's calling or have you lost it? It happens all the time, folks. What are you willing to do to find it? What are you willing to do to find your life's calling that God planned before you were born? Let me ask you another question. What's holding you back from fulfilling your life's calling? What's holding me back? Something I'm afraid of? I'll get hurt again. You're going to get hurt anyway. Why not get hurt to get help? Let me ask you, will you make a commitment to connect with others to help you fulfill that calling? I know some of us here, we're not part of a small group for whatever reason. What do you, you know, 
just just take it and let's just shove it aside for a minute and just go, what am I going to do about that? What do you what do you want to do about that? Because down deep inside you know, I need deeper connection with believers. And let me ask some of you here, will you make a commitment to help someone else fulfill their calling? You've got your calling. You've got it figured out. You, you, you're understanding it. You're living it. But, but now God's saying, I want you to help somebody else. Are you willing to do that? This series is going to be a good series. Am I right? You're only going to make you think. And I hope that um, you'll take the time you know, if you, have, you dust off that purpose-driven life book and maybe go through it. We're going through it. Our zone is going through it. Jan, I caught Janet nodding in day 14. And, you know, some of this stuff, you just go, almost like uh, I've forgotten everything. Well, how about being reminded once again? Because God wants us to find it this year. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a chance. You got you want to respond to this lesson in some way in your card. Take your cards out and start writing. And and um, I'm going to leave some prayer. We'll sing a song while you're doing that. And then we'll sing another song and we'll pick up those cards along with our regular contribution. I don't know if you've heard this. If We haven't said it much in a while, but I'll, I want you to know, if you're a guest here, you're not required to give at this church. Nobody's going to look at you like you got three heads because you didn't put something in the plate. Because... It's not about getting something from you today. It's about giving something to you today. And so we're going to, uh, that's what we're going to do right now. And, um, and then we'll close out our services. God richly bless you to hear his call. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for all these verses are so encouraging. Because, Father, sometimes our goofs, our gaffes, our, our blunders, our flaws, just kind of slowly work on us and convince us that you probably have little use for us. And yet, Father, I, your word says the opposite. Would you help us change that paradigm right now? Maybe starting by just not focusing so much on the blunder, but start focusing on how wonderful you are and how good you are. What do you want us to do, Father? What do you want each of us to do? Would you speak to us? Start speaking now. Speak this week to us. What do you want us to be as a church? Help us remember as we leave to maybe give that hug or that touch or just some word to somebody else because we need, somebody needs us right now and we need somebody right now. Would you help make that possible, Lord? Enable us, Father. We, we call upon your power because some of this is too hard, way too hard for us. We don't even know where to begin. So we ask for your power and strength to start answering your call, to start listening to what you have to say. Father, I pray that you just use everybody's hurts, everybody's damage. Show us how you do that, Father. It's so Marvelous. I marvel when you do that. Marvelous, Father. Blow our minds. Use us, Father. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen.